Hey, Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. Hey, go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around town, all around the country, wherever you may be. That's it. And right now is the perfect time to call because we can get your questions answered live and in person today <laughs> well you know we were out for three weeks yeah it happened I missed two on account of vacation and then hurricane barry came along last week which right got, got preempted. <laughs> <laughs> hadn't counted on that one but yeah that's just the way it worked out yep. so it's been three weeks since we've had a live show apologize to everybody for that but uh, of course we put some recorded shows on there from not too distant <laughs> past, <laughs> past so yeah. at least you get the information all the same but you know i had a email uh-huh. this week actually last week and we didn't have a show but uh gentleman was asking he said he's bought a new toyota product okay and he notices that it's got the 1234 yf refrigerant which is the new refrigerant the latest and greatest refrigerant out now correct so he asked if we could talk a little bit about that and i thought we would and you know, one of the very, very first things, you hear people use the word Freon uh-huh. a lot. And that is basically a totally obsolete term. There's really no such thing as Freon any longer. So if you hear that word, you know that somebody's probably not up on their technology terminologies. Freon was a brand name of DuPont for the mm-hmm. old R12 product. Correct. That's been gone since 1993. So when they talk about Freon, just kind of, Bite right. your teeth, bite your tongue. <laughs> That's really not a thing anymore. No. The proper term is refrigerant. Correct. And people will mix that up with coolant, which is what goes through the radiator and cools the engine. Refrigerant is what technically produces the coal or more properly removes the heat from the go. car. Because air conditioners don't produce, produce, heat, coal. produce coal. They right. just remove heat, and the absence of heat is coal. So we're going to talk about that a little more. Let's see if we can catch a couple of phone calls here. we got Charles on the line. Good morning, Charles. Look, Lewis. Yes. Starter went out on me, and I want to find out, are y'all going to be open Monday? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to get my car towed over to the place. Okay. And just have it parked there for Monday morning. That sounds good. Okay, Lewis. Thank you. All right, Mr. Charles. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. You're going to be part of the Automotive Hour. We're going back to lines with Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning, man. Yes, sir. I've got a 01 GMC Sierra. I'm changing the rack and pinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the the original one I'm taking off has got a separate ground strap. It's grounded to the chassis. What's the purpose of that? That unit actually sits on rubber cushions, and it's just a way to keep the rack grounded to the to right. the rest of the butt chassis. Yeah. Theoretically, what can happen? Let's say you get a lack of ground to say the engine or something like that. Well, what can happen, that's called a transient ground. When you start to crank that car, it's got to return back to the battery. So it's going to find a way. Now, if the electricity can't go through the motor to the body because it's sitting on rubber blocks, okay, then the next thing it's going to do is it's going to go to the rack and pinion, go out through the tie rods, out through the knuckles, through the wheel bearings, and then go back. It eventually goes back to the steering column, which is the first thing that actually is grounded on the car. So you can get a transient ground traveling through stuff that it shouldn't. Ford had a tremendous problem with that years ago with their Tauruses. They kept eating up inner tire rods, and nobody could figure out why. 
And it was because it had a transient ground passing through those tie rods because it was had an inadequate body ground. So the fix was to either ground the rack and pinion or body ground the engine better to the body. But, yeah, if it's on there, I would definitely put it back on because that's probably a retrofit someone's come up with along because they had a problem. And you can end up with stuff like bad wheel bearings and all kinds of things if it can't get a proper ground. Technically, the engine has to be grounded to the body and to the negative terminal of the battery, and that's where most of those problems come in. They've got a big wire that runs down to the starter, so you've got plenty of power, but the power goes through the starter. It has to return back to the battery, and that's generally a function of that. So that would be the only reason I could think of it be on there. If it's on there, I'd put it back on there. I'd just transfer it over from the old one. Replacement I have, it's got the same casting number on the mm-hmm. on the, the body of the thing, but it doesn't have a dedicated screw. So, with, with uh, any what screw, about a pipe, what about a pipe clamp? Uh, I mean, a well, that probably just any screw that you've got, you could fabricate some kind of a little ground lead and hook onto it. Yeah, any screw anywhere on that rack and pin. So what you're saying is the embossment is there, but the 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 threaded hole is not. They just didn't drill it. They yeah. didn't drill it and, and I mean, tap it. Technically, you could drill and tap it, but that would be a lot of work. You could you might just find take a, a screw anywhere on that rack and pinion and hook to that. I mean, as long as it's electrically connected. Yeah. Okay. I do appreciate it. All, All right. right. Have a good day. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you're going to part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. We're going back to our line with Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. How yes, are you doing? doing? Good morning. got a 17 uh, F-150 and... The uh, shift indicator, the gear indicator in the dash mm-hmm. quit working. The okay. thing's still in warranty, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to know if uh, is that a common problem on those things? Man, there's so many common problems on those, Mr. Bruce. I, I couldn't even tell you what, but I have not run across before. But, I mean, they've had a lot, a lot of problems with those trucks, uh, electrical and air conditioning and brakes and just you name it. Yeah. So far, the truck's been good. Yeah. Now, the battery did go dead, of course, last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's uh, 17. It's three years old. Is that when the indicator quit working? No, it quit before that. Yeah. That's more that likely going to be one of the LEDs in the dash panel is probably burned out. Because all it is is like a little LED panel. Yeah. And, I wish I would have talked to you before I bought this thing. Yeah. Uh, so far, the truck's been real good. That's yeah. the only problem I've had with it. We don't. recalls. Yeah, we don't start seeing a lot of trouble until around fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 miles, and then they just kind of start falling apart in our experience. don't have but about 15 on it. Yeah, well, you got low miles, yeah. yeah, so you're okay for a while anyway. But mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess it's not every one of them, but we've just seen. I've been de- very, very, very disappointed in Ford products in general. We just see way too many problems at what I consider way too low a mileage. But then again, in all fairness, right. we see way too many problems with all of them. Yeah, <laughs> way too, well, that's too low a mileage. Yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah, there yeah. Problems with all of them. Yeah, they are having a lot more problems than we did probably 10, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. Your know, cars way, way back in the 60s, I mean, they were just horrible. Of course, they were cheap. It didn't, people didn't matter that much. But as they started getting better from the mid-90s all the way up to the mid-2000s. They built some of the best cars they ever built. I mean, with just a little bit of care, they'd go 300,000 miles in a heartbeat. Yeah. And then somewhere around 05, 06, 07, you know, when they started going bankrupt, they started cutting back and changing all that stuff, went to different vendors and what have you. And slowly yeah. but surely, as they get more complex, they're just getting more and more problems with them. I just don't think they engineer them quite as well as they could. Yeah, I had an 
07 GMC Classic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I had planned on being buried in, <laughs> and uh, the big water took it. Yeah, yeah. That, that happened to a lot of them. Yep. Shame, because a lot of good cars went out like that. Oh, and... I'll tell you what, uh, I'll regret that thing until the day I die. But mm-hmm. anyway, I took enough time. Thank you, fellas. <laughs> All right, Mr. Bruce. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling, man. Bye-bye. Alright, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we always appreciate hearing from you. Just give us a call. We'll try to help you out and give some advice, point you in the right direction. There you go. Talking a little bit today about refrigerants mm-hmm. uh, go in different vehicles and what have you. But, of course, we're never limited to whatever topic we may be discussing. Not at all. Just something for us to jabber about between the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Just noise between the commercials. There you man. go. <laughs> but, you know, as we said, refrigerant is the proper terminology, not not freon freon or not coolant coolant is a whole different thing mm-hmm. and if you're low on coolant you are not going to notice a difference in the air conditioner unless it gets low enough to overheat the engine in right. which case the air conditioner may quit working because the computer will shut it down it shuts down all non-essential uh, items trying to get the engine cooled back down right and of course when you lower the refrigerant the first symptom is always going to be that it's going to quit hot air yeah, it's, and unfortunately, on an air conditioner, that one symptom is, is just about <laughs> everything that ever is going to happen. Right, because when it quits working. Yeah, they, they always quits working the same way. It quits right. cooling. It quits getting cold. It quits blowing cold air. So almost anything you see is going to be the same symptom. Right, when who knows what's causing it. Well, that's any number of things. Right. Let's see, we got all our lines lit all up, right. and we're getting close to the break. Let's see if we can catch a few of these for the break. We got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Good morning. I had an Ultima, and it drowned on June the 6th across the road from you guys. Okay. Okay. On, and why do they put the air, cold air, so low to the ground? Well, you just kind of hit on the point yourself, Paul, when you said cold air. They're trying to draw cooler air because cooler air is much more efficient. Cool air is dense, whereas hot yeah. air is not. So it does make the car run better and all that. That's the reason they're trying to duck it. And they do generally put baffles, and they do put things in there to help. But you got to remember, it's not a submarine. It, it'll drive through a wet, rainy road. You know, in heavy rain, it'll handle that. But, but it's, it's not, not going to go through standing water. Right. It's not going to take being submerged. Right. I mean, any water at all is going to suck into the intake. And, frankly, if it hadn't sucked into the intake, it probably would have gotten the transmission because the vent for the transmission is right there on top as well. So it would almost been the same thing. You know, we recently in New Orleans had some flooding, and you see the cars out there just floating. Yeah, it's just I get it that you're in your car, you're trying to get to work, you're trying to get somewhere, you gotta go. But you know, there's just no car made that's going to take that. Even the so, the trucks and all, they just will not take it. It's either if I had a, a cold air intake put on aftermarket where it's up higher would that help no 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 that would actually make it worse because those are not shielded nearly as well as the factory intakes and a lot of them don't have the extra reservoir the overflow reservoir in case it does take in some water right they're strictly for performance so i I definitely would not do anything like that i would go back with the original system and just be careful with it all right in other words stay away from coursey when it's raining stay away from any water any water that is up you know, six, eight inches tall is very likely to do damage to almost any modern car. Okay. All right. Thank you for your help. Okay, All right. Paul. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. We've got to take a quick little break. Julian, Doug, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. 
Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Herr Voltage, supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. This is Jonas, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Dream Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. We're going back to our phone lines with Julian. Good morning, Julian. Thanks for holding. How you doing, fellas? Doing, doing great. great. I have a 2001 GMC Sierra. Okay. My back, left, I guess driver's side, rear tail light, and driver's license lights, or driver's light, the license plate light. Mm-hmm. Just the running light, I can't seem, it won't work. I, the fuses are good. All the other lights work, the brake, the reverse, the blinker, but just the running light on the left-hand side and the the, the license plate bracket, I, I can't get Are you talking in the back of the car or in yeah, the front of the car? Back. The rear, yes. Yeah, the, okay. the rear, uh, yeah, just side. like the, the park light, I think they call it. That's right. Have you taken a voltmeter and gone to the socket? First, take the bulb out and touch the two little contact and see if you got power and ground there. Okay. Okay. And if you do, if you do, then of course you got some kind of connection issue. If you do not, go to the back side of the socket. Same thing. If you can just kind of move the wires over a little bit and go behind them and touch inside of there. Most of the time when we see that kind of stuff, Julian, more times than not, put that way, it's the socket itself is bad. They'll burn up internally. Now, okay. all, all that being said, you cannot replace just the taillight socket on that harness. You have to buy okay. the entire harness. It comes with new sockets, new bulbs, and it goes down under to the frame rail. There's a black plug where all the taillights plug into this one circuit board. Yeah, I saw that. It's, it's a whole harness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you may just try unplugging, unplugging that it harness. right there, right, and make sure those terminals are good and clean and dry, no water on them, or anything like that, and replug it and see if okay. it see if that helps. Because sometimes they'll just get corroded right there. They've have had some a lot of trouble, with, a lot those of trouble with those harnesses. We change them quite frequently. Yeah. But the little harnesses are very, very, very light duty in my opinion, and it doesn't take much to burn them out. What happens a lot of times, people put aftermarket bulbs in them, and they draw a little more amperage than the originals, and, I mean, the they will up. not tolerate any additional amperage. I mean, they, they Well, it's funny you say that, because I was actually trying to hook up a one of those little lights, the brake light strips, mm-hmm. and I happened to touch two of the wires together, Okay, and that's when it went out. Yeah, very, very likely. Very likely just oh. burnt, smoked something in that little harness. But yeah, okay. you can, again, same thing with a voltmeter. You pull it a little apart right there and touch the contacts. If you got power there and you got no power on the other end, the harness yeah. is bad. And those wires, okay. I mean, they are super light. If it just arced a heartbeat, it, it will, it'll burn the wires in half. Okay. And I don't think got they're it. too terribly expensive. Uh, not too hard to change. Yeah, they're more expensive than they should be, but like more you said, not you yeah. think they should be. But right. It's not hundred dollars yeah, right? Everything's that way, it appears. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I haven't found them aftermarket. 
Yeah. We've been, we've had to get them from the dealer. Right. So and I want to say they're, I don't know, 40, 30, 40, 40, 40 dollars, yeah, something like that. Each. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Okay. Well, that works. I appreciate it. All, All right. right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going back to our phone lines with Doug. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Okay, I got a 99 Suburban mm-hmm. that won't start. Okay. Uh, I had it in your shop mm-hmm. earlier this week, mm-hmm. and, of course, naturally it started. Right. Every time y'all wanted it to. Mm-hmm. But it, it acts like it's maybe a fuel pump going bad or whatever. But now. It'll want to start, but it won't. It'll crank, but it won't start? Right. It'll, it'll actually spin over. It'll, it'll turn over, but it won't start. Right. It'll okay. it'll act like it wants to start, but then it'll right. It'll start if you if you leave the key on. Yeah. The only yeah. The only way to find that Doug is to catch it in the shop doing it. And you got to have equipment on it when it does it, and it's got to do it enough to where you can find the problem, fix the problem, and go back and verify that it has been fixed. How often does this occur? This is the second time in the week. Yeah, uh, something that happens. It happened on the, I think, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I had called the wrecker. Then I just so happened I got it Tried started it. and brought it over. Yeah. yeah but, of course, naturally, it, it started every time. Yeah, because I think Jeff played with that thing. He started about 300 times. Right, You're right. probably going to just have to wait till it gets a little more consistent. I mean, there's just yeah. nowhere to go with it, you know, particularly uh, well, on 99. How many, possibilities, how many possibilities could it be? You're going to run Lots. out of money before I run out of guesses. Lots. Yeah. I'll guarantee you because there is any number. It could be a crank sensor. It could be the PCM. It could, it could be a wire. It could be a connection. A connection. It could be a yeah. pop. It could be a ground. Be, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, just, just basically hundreds and hundreds. Huh? It could be a whole encyclopedia problem. Oh, exactly. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, almost anything that interrupts either the fuel or the fire is going to result it. in that. And they can be just dozens and dozens of things that can do that. If I recall, there was a theft code in your in module. Uh, module. Yeah. But we never could duplicate that. So it could even be an anti-theft problem where it thinks the truck's being stolen. I mean, most right. of the time it'll start and then die, start and then die, but who knows? You know, depends on what it shut down. Could be a defective theft module. I mean, just, there's just too many things to guess. You're going to have to catch it doing right. it. I'd say just drive it until it gets a little more consistent and also notice if anything and there's leaving it overnight. When it happens, right. it's after this, 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 this occurred or when it happened, I did this and that's what got it started. You know, right. uh, any any information that you can give us, the would, more information right. will make it easier and easier to find. But right. that's the kind of thing that the customer absolutely hates, and <laughs> the the shop hates as well because it's yeah. just nowhere yeah, to go I'm with sure. it. Okay, all righty. All right, thank you, bud. All right, all right. thanks, man. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you want to follow the automotive. I would love to have you. And we're going back. I follow on with Leroy. Good morning, Leroy. Good morning. How y'all doing? This doing morning? great. Doing sir. great. Listen, I got a 2011 Chevy Avalanche. Yes. And what seemed to be happening when I when I'm driving it to about 40 miles an hour, I can hear a humming noise. Mm-hmm. And if I turn the wheel to the left, mm-hmm. the humming noise quit. Mm-hmm. Or either if I go to 45, I mean 50, yeah. it starts yeah. at about 45. Right. If I go to about 55, then mm-hmm. it quits. Yeah, it, it doesn't actually quit, Leroy. What's happening is it's just toning out the frequency gets higher than you can hear anymore that is okay. almost always going to be one of the front wheel bearings is bad and you kind of gave it away when you said you cut your wheel one way and it gets quieter you may notice if you cut it the other way it may get even louder and or it may go away or it may go away who knows 
It's going to yeah, be one of the right. two front wheel bearings. And what we do, we hook microphones under the car and with a set of headphones and a rotary switch, we drive the car and listen in to all the different bearings because technically there's four different wheel bearings on the car. But all that kind of comes from all this high water we've had in the last six months to a year. Mm-hmm. What happens when you drive through any kind of high water, I mean, seven, eight, ten inches high, the water leaks past the seal and you're not going to know anything is any different immediately. But eventually, that water is going to emulsify the grease inside the bearing, and then it's going to start to rust the bearing, and then that's when the bearing has failed. Now, unfortunately, on that that avalanche, those bearings are non-serviceable. There's no way to take it apart and clean it or no way to repack it or any of that. You've got to replace the whole hub bearing assembly. It's got three bolts that bolt the the back of the bearing to the knuckle. Yeah, fairly easy to change, but a very expensive part. But that's you got to first determine which one it is because the – most embarrassed thing in the world, I swear it's left when you change left when you still got the same noise. Because <laughs> I've yeah. been fooled, man. That, that noise blows around underneath the car. It's hard. Without something like we've got, you know, microphones we can hook under there and listen in. Just driving it down the road, that one may be so loud that you cannot hear the other one. And it may you, have two wheel bearings. You can also have two of them. It's not unusual because both wheel bearings went, went through, through the, the same, same amount. thing. A lot of times you'll change one. And the noise is gone, but you can hear a very similar noise, just not near as loud and on the other side. And that's the other one. <laughs> right. But right. Uh, fa- fairly easy to d- diagnose and fairly easy to repair. It's just the, the parts yeah, the are parts. kind of expensive. I see. Well, thank you a lot. Thank you so All much. Right, All right. right. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. All right. 291-6901 is the number if you want to part of the automotive hour. And that's something you're going to see just yeah. more and more and more and more with all the high water that we've had recently instances. Yeah. yeah and would hurricane barry dropped a lot of water in the area and a lot more i understand people got to get where they got to get mm-hmm. but when you drive through the high water it's not a matter of if it is it's, a matter of when sure you and can you start know, having problems some of those places don't look that deep and mm-hmm. you think, ah, oh, well, it's not that deep. We'll just go ahead and drive through it. Mm-hmm. And some of them are that deep, and you end up with a submarine. So well, it's, it's kind of like Paul earlier. He was asking about the intake system on the car. And I think certainly they could do a better job. They could. With those intakes. They can make them more water resistant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just they don't have a real big interest to do it. Those say, well, don't drive through high water. Sure. But knowing that people are going to drive through high water, you can certainly make it more water resistant. You can't well, make it waterproof. Like I said, it's not a submarine. It's not ever going to go through water. But you can certainly make it better. But, again, you got to remember the guys designing these cars are in the selling, business of selling new cars. Exactly. <laughs> so the more things that will take a car off the road is the more cars they're going to sell. Yeah, kind of sort of a good thing in their yeah, <laughs> sure. estimation. There's real, no real benefit to them mm-hmm. to go in and design the car better right. than what they might have. Take another quick little break. Be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then, I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. 
They can even catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. And the Hayco General Inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Loud noise off the river to right. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it. But I can't keep punching with the victory crew. Hey, welcome when back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. Always enjoy hearing from you and getting your perspective on things. Yeah, we do. Try to point you in the right direction as best we can. That we will. That we will. There you go. Even sometimes the advice it's, is disappointing. <laughs> it's just, that's just the way that, it is. Yep. We hear this a lot, like the earlier gentleman, where a car won't start or it dies, but it does it infrequently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes on some of the more modern cars, depending on the malfunction, it'll leave some code stored, so you kind of know about where to start looking. But so often, it just stores no data. There is nowhere to go. And, of course, the first thing is, well, what could it be? Well, it could be anything. Well, it could be any. Well, somebody said it might be the fuel. Well, yeah, it might be the fuel. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That's about six, $700. Sure. Do you want to spend $700 on a might be? Now, if you say, yeah, well, that's great. I'll change the fuel pump if that's what you want to do. But when it's doing the same exact thing and you're out 700 bucks, whose fault is it? Right. Because you the one said, let's do this. Unfortunately, the only way to find that problem is for the problem to occur, not only to occur one time, but to occur while the test equipment is on it. And long enough to verify. Long enough to verify the problem. And then ideally, it has to happen again or not happen again over a period of time so you can verify the problem has been resolved. Correct. Because if something only happens once a week or every other week or even twice a week, you go in and you find a connection that's burned. Well, you repair the connection. Okay, now, have you fixed the problem or did you just fix a problem? You don't know. So, now you got a dilemma because do you continue to waste this customer's money by trying things and doing more and more and keep looking, 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 or do you give them the car back and say, look, we found this. This could be the this problem. This could have been the problem. We cannot verify it. Do you want to drive it and see? Because the other option is for me to sit there at a hundred plus dollars an hour and continue to try things. Sure, we may have fixed it with the first thing. We had a guy come in one time; his vehicle would die on him very infrequently, mm-hmm. and then it would start again. Well, the first thing we notice is the battery terminal is very loose on. It. I mean, you can take it and just turn it by hand. Sure. So I said, "Well, again, I cannot say this is causing the problem. I can say this is a problem. We replaced two battery cable ends, got all that fixed up." and gave it back to him well unfortunately a week later it dies again well he comes still doing the same thing i said well you got to remember i told you that is a problem problem. he says well you know i did notice that da 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 that used to happen all the time has quit happening okay Okay. well it fixed that problem it just didn't fix this one you got to be understanding that if we're going to guess and i draw the line at guessing at inexpensive things Mm -hmm. that is definitely a problem it's just maybe not the this problem. particular problem we have things like certain cars that have certain problems we call a lot. them we call them pattern failures. pattern failures and let's say a car comes in and it's doing something that a pattern failure would suggest like for instance let's say we got a nissan product in from the early 2000s and it just dies right well and the first then it thing back i'm putting crank sensors sure on. because that was a common failure on that 
bottle. Extremely common failure. If these are not bad right now, they they're will probably <laughs> going to go bad. They're not sure. very expensive and they're not very hard to change. So you can roll the dice as long as you understand. You can't get mad at the shop if that didn't fix the problem. Right. Because like I told you, we cannot verify the problem. You can keep driving it until it gets more common. We can do this if you would like. It's going to cost this much. has a good chance of fixing the problem. But definitely, I can't say this is going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't get angry if it doesn't do it because right. it's just the chance you took. Another issue with that, some of the Honda products way back, oh, that was 90s. They would yeah. occasionally you would get in the car, particularly after the car had been sitting out in the sun, mm-hmm. and yank, 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 just crank over, just would not start. Then all of a sudden, boom, it would start, and it might start fine for a month, not ever give you any trouble. Then you get in one day, yank, 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 yank. Well, there's a part called a PDMI relay. It's a mm-hmm. little relay up under the dash. It sat in the hot enough sun, particularly if for any reason you got any water in the car. Like, for instance, you left one of the windows down a little bit, some rain got in there. That moisture content would get real high. It would get into these contacts, and it would break. Mm-hmm. When it break, the injectors would quit firing. The car would not start. You crank it over a few times or a number of times, it might start just fine. Right. And it would not recur. Again, relatively inexpensive part, relatively easy to change. We would always change that part, explaining, hey, this, this could be the problem. If it's not now... It will be shortly. Yeah, so. and you would make a lot of people happy, but occasionally you get somebody who was very angry. You just well, did this to my car and is still doing the same thing. Well, absolutely, and that was the agreement right. we you had. Remember, remember what we discussed? Yeah, <laughs> but people tend to want to find a scapegoat, and I understand they are frustrated. But again, when you ask a shop to let's try something, mm-hmm. you got to understand that's your choice. Right. The shop is advising you, I cannot duplicate the problem. That means there is no way to fix this. I mean, there should be a way. I realize that. And there probably could be a way engineered if the car companies cared to do it. Right. But, again, it's sort of like we talked about earlier. These guys are in the business selling new cars. Right. So whatever takes this car out, that's a car they didn't sell. Well, making a car expensive to repair or making a car frustrating to get repaired is sort of common in their best interest. Sure. Because that's going to drive people to a new car probably as fast as anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. And, again, the ultimate goal is always sell new cars. Well, there you <laughs> that, go. That's the business they're in. I mean, they want you to be happy with what you got to a degree. Well, and they expect it to last so long. And, see, that that's the problem is they expect this car to last 100,000 miles. Ma- when, maximum. When, when the manufacturer goes to the engineer and says, hey, we need, to, we need you to build us a car, the first question out of his mouth right. is how long does it have to last? Yeah. 100,000 miles, they figured. Well, how, much, get, how much does it have to cost? What features need to be in it? And how long does it last? Right. Because those three are like points of a triangle. I can make it last longer. I can give you more features, but I'm going to run the cost up. Or I can cut the cost down, but I'm going to suffer durability and I'm mm-hmm. going to suffer features. One, you pick, One, yeah. pick two. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have all three. Yeah, you're not getting all three. And that's the same even with like their maintenance recommendations where sure. they'll tell you you can go 100,000 miles without servicing a transmission. Well, you certainly can. Right. So long as you're willing to throw the car away at 100,000 miles. And again, why, where do these come from? Well, they go to the engineer and say, look, we want a car to go 100,000 miles without a transmission service. Okay, fine. No problem. We can put this in there, this in here, this in here, and this in here. Now, the life of the car is 100,000 miles. You do realize that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fine. So, you know, they'll tell you, uh, this has lifetime 
transmission fluid, well, yeah, it well, does. Because the lifetime is over when transmission <laughs> when <it> burns up. <laughs> Which is going to happen a lot faster if you don't ever change that fluid. Exactly. And, again, it's so long as you understand the parameters under which the recommendations are made. Mm-hmm. It's not unlike all these all change intervals where they tell you you can go 10,000 miles between all change. Well, I absolutely can. Sure. But so, at 80, 90,000 miles, you're going to start having engine trouble. You're going to have big oil leaks that you wouldn't have had otherwise. You're going to have all kinds of problems mm-hmm. that you could have prevented. So the point is, if you, let's say you lease a car. Right. That's good for you, and that's just what you want to do. That's fine. You probably don't really need to do any kind of maintenance because at most it's going to be someone else's problem. You're probably going to turn this thing in around thirty to 50,000 miles. Right. You're not going to see a great deal of difference if you change all every 3,000 miles or, or 10,000 miles. But if you're like you and I, I keep a vehicle 20 years, yep. 200, 300,000 miles on it. Well, I just don't feel like I got my money's worth. Like right, that. exactly. I and mean, for what vehicles cost nowadays. Yeah, I can't plot down 40, 50, 60 grand every three four years for a new vehicle for a new vehicle i got to try to make them last now if you understand that then the recommendations start to make more sense right recommendations are given based on a lifetime a life expectancy now if again it just depends on your financial situation if you can afford to throw it away well that's great yeah. then don't do anything then that's it just drive it till it breaks and chuck get it, rid of you know? it but if you got to make it last then you have to look at a little different situation let's go back to our phone right. i've got chuck online good morning chuck hey hey john good morning good morning Sir. Great. You may not want to answer this. <laughs> it's related to the, your more upper end automobiles, mm-hmm. like, but let's say the uh, BMW, the yes, Mercedes, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Are they really worth the price? Because let's compare it to the Camry, which has been rated the what the the, the best uh, most reliable, mm-hmm. uh, right? Mm-hmm. Sedan, a family sedan car, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. Is a Mercedes that much more, or are you just really buying the reputation and the name? Well, not really either, Chuck. What you're buying is a whole lot of features and a whole lot of things that are important to a certain group of people. Right. So you, you're comparing apples to oranges. Yes, yeah, two different vehicles built for two different purposes. Because a car costs a whole lot of money, it does not make it more reliable. It does not mean it's going to last long. It just means it's going to have more stuff. For instance, let's just, to make it a little bit more easy to understand, let's look at a Cadillac and a Chevrolet. Now, they share an awful lot of the same parts. They're both built by GM both Motors. Both built by GM, may have the same engine, may have the same transmission, a lot of the technology is going to be the same, but the Cadillac is going to have a more plush interior. It's going to have prettier wheels on it. It's going to have more gadgets. It's going to do more things. It's not a better car because it costs more money. Now, ironically, if you want a, what a good car means to you is a car that doesn't break a whole lot and doesn't cost you a whole lot to maintain, the lower-end cars are going to give you that more than the upper-end cars. Because the way an upper-end car gets to be an upper-end car is they put a whole lot more accessories and gadgets and gizmos. All that stuff breaks, and the way that car gets to ninety, dollars $100,000, each part costs a whole lot of money. So when you start changing it, each part costs a whole lot of money. You know, you take, let's just say, a engine computer for a Chevrolet or Toyota might be anywhere from 300 to $1,000. In a Mercedes, it might be $10,000. It's not any better. It just does more stuff. And if that stuff is important to you... I've got a customer who drives nothing but Mercedes. We don't work on it because we don't do European cars. To him, it's worth it. He likes the prestige. He likes the way it drives and all that. That's great. But don't expect that you're getting a more reliable car or you're getting a better car from the standpoint of it's not going to break a whole lot and not going to cost you a whole lot of money. It's just it's just two different things totally. you got to understand what you're getting. You're getting a car that rides good. It's got really nice styling. It's got plush interior. It handles well. It does a lot of things. 
but it's not going to necessarily hold up any better. It's not necessarily going to be cheaper to keep or any of that. So you got to define your criteria, right? How you it, measure a good car. But in the end, it's still point A to point B. Yeah, yeah, it gets you point A to point B. I drive a Toyota Camry. I can drive any car I want, but I drive a Toyota Camry because I don't like working on cars other than the ones I'm getting paid to work on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did that answer the question, Chuck? I absolutely thank you very much. Beautiful answer. Well, good. Well, thank you. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take our final quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. But you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. It's the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, president of Agco Automotive. We've got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. We've still got a few minutes left. Glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We were talking just a bit about refrigerants and uh-huh. stuff, and the gentleman was asking why did they go to a different new refrigerant. refrigerant. And, of course, the story is, well, it's, it's better for the right. environment. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, again. That's the politically correct story. Yeah, I mean, 134A was supposed to be better for the environment than 112. Except we found out it's actually worse. My opinion. Uh-huh. Strictly my opinion. And it makes total sense. Well, if you think about it, 134A came out in 1994. Okay. Thereabouts. So, yeah. about 20 years ago, a patent on a refrigerant lasts about 20 years. How about that? How about yeah. that convenience? So uh, coincidence, that, that huh? patent has expired. That means anybody can make it, so the price is dropping. Right. We've got to come out with a new refrigerant. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, if you just came out with a new refrigerant, that would be one thing. However, what this means to the customer is that every piece of service equipment in the industry has to be changed to deal with this new refrigerant, refrigerant because right. it's not compatible with any of those stuff. That means another recycle machine is six thousand bucks. Oh, if all new six thousand, yeah, minimum, minimum, all new gauges, all new stuff, all Plus, new training. This stuff is sold by the ounce, right? Whereas the old refrigerant was sold by the pound. Yeah, you're not or twelve ounce cans at minimum. You're not going to go to the parts store and buy this stuff. No, not yet. Yeah, you got to go to a dealership right now, and you're gonna pay right. by the ounce. Well, and you've got to have a license to buy it, right? And you got to have a machine to use it, and all that. Well, you remember when 134 came out, right? You couldn't buy it anywhere, and then all of a sudden it showed up on the on the shelves right. in small cans. So, you know, it just depends on how they how the market manufacturers going to market it. Yeah, who knows how that's going to go? But the point is, it works just as well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In fact, my Camry has the the one twelve twelve thirty four YF in it. It cools very well. does a good job. I wasn't real pleased. I 
ran over a rock in the road, popped up, knocked a hold of the condenser. Cost me about fifteen hundred bucks to <laughs> put another condenser yeah. on there. But that does happen. So I don't think it's inherently any better or any worse. It's just different. Different. And, and this ref- this new refrigerant has been out since fifteen. Yeah, maybe even before that. I think they started using around fourteen in some models, particularly mm-hmm. European models, and. They didn't have it in full use until, until I don't know, 17, 18, yeah. somewhere. In, I don't know exactly when they mandated it, it had, over, yeah. Amp- implemented. They started talking about it. I know back in 13, 14, they were talking about mm-hmm. it. And I think some of the European models went to it in the 14 uh, right. year model. So it's not something that we see a lot of yet, simply because it's not, it's relatively new. Most of the domestic cars, I think, even your Toyos and Hondas and all that. I want to say seventeen or eighteen, right? So they're only two or three years old. And that's right still now. covered under under factory still warranty. Still under factory warranty, so we're not seeing a bunch of it. Other than instances like mine, where something unfortunate happens right. or accident, getting a wreck, getting a right. wreck and bust the condenser, stuff like that. So how good or how bad? I'm sure it will have its own problems, just like just every like every right. man made product that's ever been manufactured. But it does. I got to say, it does cool good. Little camera guy, it gets ice cold. It yeah, does a good job. And they use very, very, very small quantities of it, so it's not a lot of it out there. But when you're selling it by the ounce at, what, $50, $60 an ounce? I don't know what the price is. I hadn't priced it yet, but it's, it's going to be expensive. So, again, you're going to probably go from getting your AC recharged at maybe a $100 service. It's probably going to jump up to a four or $500 service mm-hmm. when you go to this new right. stuff. It's going to be way more expensive to service. going to be fewer people who can service it, at least initially, it right. until everybody buys all the tooling and equipment. I know we resisted buying the, the equipment because I don't want it sitting there going out of warranty and not being used. Sure. So you got to wait and you got to demand for it before you start investing in it. But it's the point is all new technologies are good if you like it. It's kind of like our last caller. Is this a good car? Well, it depends on how you define good car. Sure. People who drive BMWs, for instance, generally enjoy the way they handle. Mm-hmm. They have a very tight, precise feel to them. Me, personally, they don't ride very well. The right. seats are hard. They You feel every bump, but some people enjoy that. I would prefer something that rides better and doesn't cost me an arm and a leg every time it goes to shop. <laughs> exactly. So that's how I define a good car. But to other people, it's a great car. Right. Well, each to their own. To each his own. That's right. Just like anything else in the world you buy, you know, there are people who will buy a camera for $100 and be perfectly happy with it. Other people are going to spend ten thousand dollars on a camera, right? Because to they be happy with it, or a stereo system, or anything else, a wristwatch. I mean, there are people who spend any number of amounts, and it's because the way they define quality or whatever. You know, that Rolex may be a beautiful, beautiful timepiece. It may last a long, long time, but it does the same job as that Timex. As does. The Timex does, <laughs> you know, Timex is twenty nine ninety five, right? The keeps, Rolex keeps perfect time. Yeah, it's twenty twenty nine thousand, right? Now. People buy things, cars included, for reasons other than just transportation. Sure. sure. Kind of like a friend of mine I mentioned earlier, he drives Mercedes products, and he trades them every three or four years. He leases them. Sure. Owns a business, and to him, that makes some sense. He says, I can get a write-off for the lease, and if I buy it, I have to depreciate it and all that, and he's making enough money to where it doesn't really matter. He enjoys that car. That's what he likes. I like the way people look at me when I drive up. Hey, great. Hey, yeah. you don't have to explain anything to me. <laughs> Not my thing. I don't care. I mean, in fact, I feel a whole lot smaller driving up an O2 model Chevy pickup. And look what I got. <laughs> look how long I made this thing last. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
everybody defines things in their own way, and that's sure. just what life is all about. You know, some people like vanilla, some people like chocolate. That's why there's 15 different flavors of ice cream. At yeah. least, <laughs> or probably more. Probably more. But the point is, paying more for a car does not necessarily, you're getting a better car the way you may measure cars. Mm-hmm. Because, again, what is your definition of a good car? I mean, to me, a good car is a car that lasts a long, long time. I don't have any trouble with. I don't have trouble with it. It doesn't break down. It doesn't leave me stranded. I don't have to constantly be having it updated mm-hmm. and worked on and, and such as that. To me, it's much like a computer. I like a computer that I turn it on. I don't want it to talk to me. I don't want it to do all these fancy things. I don't care about any of that. I right. want it to crunch numbers. I want it to run my applications. You know, I would still be running Windows XP if it were up mm-hmm. to me. However, Windows had different. <laughs> they had a different <laughs> idea about that. that. I had to go to a system that I didn't like as well because that's what it took. There are other people who want the latest and greatest. Sure. I mean, people oh, yeah. stood in line for, what, three days to get the, new, the iPhone new iPhone when it came out. Right. Hey, God bless you, man. I'm glad. That's what you like. That's good. That's not good or bad. It's just what you want. Different perspectives. The point is, if you buy a car thinking this is a good car. Because it costs more. Yeah. I know I had a, a gentleman was, I was talking to the other day in the shop. And he says, I'm fixing to retire. Okay. I figure I got one more new car in me. Hmm. So I okay. want to buy a really good car that's going to last me. I said, well, Toyota Camry. Right. He said, well, I want something nice, something fancy. I said, well. Have then, you seen the Camrys lately? Well, and. But, I mean. You know, don't. If you want a car that's going to last you another 20 years and not give you any trouble. Right. You probably don't want a European car. Right. Because they are designed to be beautiful. They are very pretty, very stylish. They will handle very well. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of stuff, but going a long, long ways without much work is not one of them. That's not right. their strong suit. Plus, every time you go in to the dealership, because you're not going to find that many independent shops that work, work on, on them, but when you do, plan on spending four or $500 for an oil change, because that's just what it costs. Mm-hmm. All these different things, that's just part of that car. We were talking a little bit early, and I think we'll talk more next week about the cars that have the active lane uh, management right. all that great feature if you like that that's good but remember when you buy that car with active lane management and you go in for a front end alignment that front end alignment may have gone from 89 dollars to 300 who knows because now you've got a bunch of memories to clear and sensors to reset right cameras to learn and all that not only do you have the regular alignment but then you have all that on top of it that has to be done because things have changed. Right. And we're going to talk more about that next week. we got to start winding up, getting right. ready to get on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this Saturday morning, every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Mm-hmm. Find a written review and fill it out for us. There you go. You fill out those written reviews. What it does, if people type in a generic term like, say, auto repair, right. our show will come up close to the top of the list. So more people will naturally listen. More people listen, all we can do the show. There you go. Ready to start following? <laughs> Boom. Get out of here. That's it. Swift kick. <laughs> and we really appreciate it. Let's know we're doing a good job. Hey, preceding was opinion. Based on our experience in the automotive industry, have a great weekend.